0: Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Crystal Sparks and no matter if this is your first time here or maybe you're here every single week, I am so glad that you are here on my podcast. I love to upload content here that helps grow your faith and to help equip you to accomplish your dreams and your goals. Hey, this message uh, was actually recorded at our church's first Wednesday service that we had and I really think that it's going to encourage you. Amen. It's a good day to be in the house of God. Amen. Are y'all doing okay? I was uh, pulling up tonight, and I get a little nervous whenever I speak on Sunday mornings, and um, I get really nervous. And so I looked at Emily, who was driving with me, and I said, this is just Holy Spirit group. (laughs) And she said, yeah, and I said, okay, I don't feel as nervous anymore. <laughs> um, well, hey, we're so glad uh, that you're here. Um, we're gonna be in John chapter six, John chapter six. Um, if I could think about a, um, I might be emotional tonight, and so just roll with me. Um, if I were in the underground church in China and I could only pick out part, certain passages of scripture, my pick would be, if I could pick one book in the Bible, I would pick the book of Genesis. Uh, the reason is because if you have the law of first mention, you can fill in the gaps for the rest. Um, if you've been to Bible school, you know about the law of first mention, and so I feel like with with Genesis, you can get a lot of your theology, but if I had to take one chapter um, out of the Bible, it would probably be John chapter 6. I would, I would take that out, and I would memorize it. Just side note, it's interesting how Christians uh, in America have their Bible accessible on their phones, and we have multiple Bibles in our homes, while people in other countries are literally giving their lives to the very things that we neglect, uh, they neglect memorize passages of scripture and then swap them out with each other um, in the churches. It's uh, interesting to me what we neglect somebody else calls precious. And, and they would give anything to have access to, which you won't even take 10 minutes in the morning for. But that's a whole other thing. So we're going to be in John chapter six. Uh, this is a lot of scripture. So let's stand for the reading of God's word and it says this, in John chapter six, verse four, it says, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was approaching. And Jesus looked up then and seeing a vast multitude was coming toward him, he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that all these people may eat? But he said this to prove and to test him. And he well knew that he, what he was about to do. Might it just be said that Jesus always asks us things to show us what's in our hearts, right? He knew what he was about to do. Him asking was more for Philip than it was for him. And him talking to you is, more about you than it is about him. And he's always trying to reveal our hearts to, uh, to ourselves. And Philip answered him, 200 pennies, $40 worth of bread is not enough that everyone may receive a little. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a little boy here who has with him five barley loaves. Barley loaves was the most inexpensive of all the breads. Uh, just a fun little side fact is that barley loaves um, would be what was offered when a woman committed adultery. A uh, barley lo- Uh, Barley would be offered as an offering in the temple. Just a few chapters later, we see the woman who was caught in adultery. Isn't it interesting that a boy brought a sacrifice to Jesus for a woman's sin that was a few chapters later? The Bible's full of all kinds of things. Five barley loaves here and two small fish, and they were among so many people. And Jesus said, make all the people recline and sit down. Now the ground, a pasture, was covered with thick grass at the spot. So the men threw themselves down about five, Thousand in number, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to the people. Jesus can't do anything unless people get involved. Jesus didn't feed the 5,000, the disciples did. Might it just be said that our church is served every Sunday by dream team, not by us and not by Jesus. Jesus doesn't show up in the flesh, it's dream team making it happen. And it says, and he did with the fish as much as they wanted. While they all had, all had had enough, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments. That God uses this that are left and over so that nothing may be lost. No season of your life is wasted. God uses everything. So accordingly, they gathered them up and they filled 12 small hand baskets with fragments left over by those who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Skipping on over to verse 17, it says, And then they took a boat. And we going across to the sea to Capernaum. And it was now dark, and still Jesus had not yet come back to them. Meanwhile, the sea was getting rough and rising high because of a great and violent wind that was blowing. However, when they had rowed three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. I don't know about y'all, but I'd be tripping at this point, right? And approaching the boat, they were afraid and terrified. But Jesus said to them, it is I, be not afraid. Side note, the only person who mentions that Jesus was walking on the water was Matthew, Mark is Peter's account of the gospel and he left it out and John had a little bit of a beef with Peter and so he's like, we're not gonna mention Peter walking on water but thankfully Matthew mentioned it for us and so then they were quite willing and glad to let him in the boat. I'm sure they were, right? Let's skip on over to verse 30. It says, therefore they said to him, all the crowds waiting for Jesus to show up on the other side and it says, therefore they said to him, what sign, miracle, wonder work will you perform so that we might believe in you? In verse 31, he says, our forefathers ate the manna in the wilderness and the scripture says he gave them bread out of heaven. Hold up, you just saw Jesus walk on water and he just multiplied loaves and fish and fed a crowd of 5,000. And you're saying, hey, are you gonna do a miracle for us? And Jesus said to them, I assure you most solemnly I tell you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. But what Moses gave you was not the bread from heaven, it, but it is my Father who gives you the true heavenly bread. For the bread of God is he who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Going on to verse 53, and it says, and Jesus said to them, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, you cannot have any life in, in you unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Jesus is savage, y'all. He says, he who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has and possesses now eternal life and I will raise him up from the dead on the last day for my flesh is true and genuine food and my blood is true and genuine drink. Verse 66, it says, after this, somebody say after this. After this, many of his disciples drew back, returned to their old associations and no longer accompanied him. And Jesus said to the 12, are you gonna leave also? And do you too desire to leave me? And Simon Peter answered my favorite verse. He said, Lord, to whom else shall we go? You have the words, the message of eternal life. And we have learned to believe and to trust and more. We have come to know and surely that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of the living God. May we pray as we continue our time together. God, we just thank you for these moments. God, I thank you that they're holy. Lord, as we gather around your word, Father, I thank you that our ears are open and receptive, our hearts are softened, that we might receive the seed of the word of God. Father, I declare that we're not those that draw back. But Lord, we're those that follow you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name and everybody who believed it said, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You know, I wanna ask you a question. If you could have the perfect day, what would you do? I, I will just say to you, as I, I, was, I was writing this, I thought about, you know, I, I can say that I've had like a, a lot of beautiful moments um, in my life. Uh, one of them happened at Foxworth Galbraith in Sulphur Springs, Texas. I, I met the love of my life, Brian Sparks, and that was a great moment. Another great moment was the first time um, he kissed me. Actually, I kissed him. He was leaning forward and I got hungry and I, I laid it on him. And, uh, The rest is history. (laughs) Uh, I can remember that moment. I can remember the moment that I held Braley and Bear for the first time. That was like an amazing moment. But I will just say to you, I don't know that I've had like the best day ever. Like I've had great moments, But I don't know that I've ever had a day that from beginning to end, it was like every single like moment was like, oh my gosh, I remember this. And then I remember this. Like there's moments of great days, but I don't know about a whole 24 hours of a great day. And what I think is so amazing is John chapter 6. John is writing to us. It's just for those of you that don't know, you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that's exactly how they were written. Okay, so Matthew wrote his first. And then Mark came along, who is Peter, and he writes his account. Then Luke decides, you know what? I'm going to take their account and make it better. And then John, being the youngest, says, listen, I'm about to set it all straight. And so John is here, and he's like, I want you guys to see what it's like in a day of following Jesus. One of my favorite scriptures in John is in John 21, verse 25, and it says, And there also were many other things which Jesus did. If they could all be recorded one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain or have room for all the books that would be written. In other words, John is showing us what 24 hours is like following Jesus. It's not like there's a moment or just like a highlight or just one part of your day, but every day, every moment was just saturated and God filled miracles. The sun rises and they're listening to the Messiah. God made flesh, John chapter one would say, begin to teach the word and he sits there, teaches them, then now we see him multiplying loaves and fish, and they think the day is over, but it is not done, and they cross over on a boat, and here comes Jesus walking on the water, and they watch one of the twelve go out to him, and then they get to the other side, and Jesus isn't done teaching, and John's like, I want to show you what 24 hours is like with him. No wonder why he had to tell us that, because if he would have written it all, there's no way that a Bible would be big enough to contain it all, and I think about this as Christ followers, there's some things that I think Peter learned in this time, in this 24 hours that revealed Christ to him in such a deep way. Uh, The first thing is, is the miracle will always, the miracle will always begin with what you have. The miracle will always begin with what you have. Here they are, and, and they show up, and Jesus is teaching a message, and, and, and there's time that he's asking for, hey, let's feed them something. And it's interesting because Philip uh, tells, begins to tell them how much it would cost and how much to do, and, and just a fun Bible study. You can go study this out in John chapter 1, verse 46. And John 14, eight, Philip asked for proof again. Philip was always the come and see. He always needed proof for what it is. And and what I think is so interesting here is that Jesus used somebody that wasn't even worth counting for the miracle. Your Bible says there was 5,000 men, not counting women or children. I I wanna encourage you that Jesus can use you even when everybody else has counted you out. That even though people looked over you, you weren't even worth counting, you weren't even worth mentioning, you weren't even worth bringing up. But I will just say to you that even though people may have overlooked you, God hasn't overlooked you. And I think it's so interesting that Jesus chose to use a boy that wasn't even in the count to bring about a miracle. I wanna encourage you that in your life, God wants to use you. You may feel like everybody's overlooked you, nobody's seen you, but I wanna tell you that you're never so hidden from God that he can't see you. The next thing is that the best miracles take time. I think it's interesting that it's said that there's 3,000 prophecies about Jesus and Jesus fulfilled them all in a three and a half year ministry. Jesus was never in a hurry. I don't know about you guys, but my kids, whenever we go to a restaurant, they always wanna know this. Mom, is it like a sit down one where they bring us the food? Or do we just get the food? Like, because when they're hungry, they're hungry. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, they want food quick. And Jesus has 5,000 people who are hungry. And he says this, have them all sit down. Have them all sit down. Have them recline. Have them relax. I want to encourage you that you may be in a hurry for what you've been praying for, but Jesus is not in a hurry. Jesus is outside of time. He's viewing time from, he sees the beginning and the end. He's not in a hurry. The best miracles will always take time. And as you go through this, the next thing I think Peter learned in this time is his blessing is more than your capacity. God wants to bless you more than what you can take. Come on, Ephesians 3.20, he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever ask, think, or even imagine. God wants to give you so much more than what you think. I think it would have been incredible if Jesus would have just filled the need, but Jesus exceeded it. And Jesus always does more than what we think. I wanna encourage you that if you're in a season of waiting on God, I I wanna tell you, don't count him out yet. That that maybe the plan that you've been making that God would do, he wants to do so much more. Than that, Philip was thinking about going to Piggly Wiggly and picking up some bread. And Jesus was thinking about doing so much more, enough that they would have leftovers. God wasn't one just, he wants to bless his people so then that way you can bless somebody. But I will just say this, in my life I found, he will bless people that don't even like you just to bless you. Uh, He finds ways to get things to you. He wants to bless you beyond your capacity. Our strength, the next thing is, our strength is not in where we are but where we have been. Our strength is found not in where we are but where we have been. Here Peter is, he goes from this moment of of being in this incredible miracle, watching 5,000 people get fed and then Jesus dips out because he's gonna go for a private prayer service. You know, I'm one of those people that I I hate having people over at my house. I know some of y'all love having people over. I I love you when I invite you. I hate you by the time you get there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, cause I've, now if you're you're close friends or family, I I love you, but if you're there because you're fine to see my dog and my cat and there's dishes in the sink. But if you're coming over and I didn't, I don't know you, I've got to make it look like I don't live there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and, and then when you're done and you're full, you go home and go to bed. I'm still cleaning up from your mess. And, and, and here Jesus is. He's like, great. Everybody's fed and happy. I'm going to a private prayer service. I'm so sure the disciples were like, sure you are. Must be nice. Love that for you, Jesus. Like so great for you. And so he goes and they get into the boat because this crowd is pushing upon them. Might it be said to you that it's not 12 in a boat. There's still thousands in number at this point. They get in this boat. It's like a carnival cruise boat, y'all. Like they're all going out and they're going out and all of a sudden the storm comes, but the strength for where we are is not in where we are, but where we've been. There, what God revealed to them in the multiplying of the loaves and the fish was enough on the inside of them to sustain their faith in a storm. And some of us have got to remind ourselves the miracle moments of where God's been. Because isn't it interesting how quick we forget God's faithfulness? We can be in a moment of blessing and you know those miracle moments where you're like, God, I will never forget this. And then the sun hasn't even set and we already forgot and we're in doubt and unbelief again. And that's exactly where they are. And I want to encourage you, the strength to get you through where you are is not where you are, but it's where you've been. It's reminding yourself that God has always been faithful, that he has always shown himself strong, that he will never leave you, he'll never forsake you. Has he not said, and will he not do? Sometimes you have to remind yourself. I, I have I have a list of things, of, of like miracles that God's done over my life. And sometimes I just have to get them out and read them one by one. Because I forget the faithfulness faithfulness of God. And and I will just say to you that some of you, if you're in a place of discouragement, you need to remind yourself again of the faithfulness of God. I love whenever the children of Israel crossed over, uh, Jesus, uh, God rather, told them to get stones for remembrance. And he said, this is for you and for your children and your children's children that you'll remember this day. And some of you need to have some stones of remembrance that you return back to and say, God, you have been faithful. I've seen you do too many things. I know that you're going to do it even now. The next thing is, is storms don't mean you're outside of God's will. I'll say this. I think sometimes storms come when you're headed in the right direction, even harder. For me personally in my life, I've found times where it's like, I feel God tell me to do something and I step out and all of a sudden the wind and the waves begin to pick up and, and I feel exactly like the disciples. I'm hidden from God God, do you even see me? Do you even know where I'm at? Do you even know what's going on? Here's the thing is that Moses would have never felt rejected by a complaining people if at a burning bush he had decided not to obey God. He wouldn't have ever seen a sea part if he didn't decide to obey God. He wouldn't have ever seen, there's, there is this tension, right? There is the struggle of having Pharaoh's army coming up against you. It does not mean that you're not in God's will. It does not mean that you're going in the wrong way. Daniel would have never had to face the lion's den if he had not decided to be faithful to God. The presence of the lions were a sign that he was doing exactly what God had told him to do. And I think a lot of times we hear the roar of the lion and we begin to question, am I in God's will? Did I do what he said for me to do? Because it's easy to love God and it's easy to serve God when the loaves and the fish are being multiplied. It's a lot harder when you're in the middle of the sea. Just think of how much persecution Paul would have avoided if he would have just stayed in Tarsus. If he would have just decided to take it easy, let's be honest, he had the best mail carrier system ever. Your girl Phoebe was a boss, man. And she was delivering letters left and right. He could have just stayed with that plan, but he knew that God didn't call him to a place of being comfortable. And so he went to places that he knew he would be rejected. Here's the thing I'm too, I, my concern is that we have a church that's fair weather Christians. You know what's sad is that there's Christians being martyred for the gospel in Afghanistan, and there's Christians worried about rain in America. And, and I will say to you that I think just because there is a presence of storms in your life does not mean that you're outside of God's will. Most of the time, I've found the biggest storms come as an announcement that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. See, here's the thing, is that Jesus was up on the mountain praying. And as he's up on the mountain praying, he has a different perspective. He has a different place of peace. And he has a different place of power. And because of that, he comes down to where they are, full of peace, full of perspective, full of power. But that place only came through the place of prayer. What is interesting to me is that it should be noted that this text that we're reading happens one year before the Passover, one year before Jesus would have the final supper with his disciples. What is interesting is as you go through and you study the scripture, you will see that this is... A The only time that Jesus asked his disciples to go and pray with him was in the garden, right before he gets betrayed. Every other time he prayed by himself. That's why the disciples said, teach us how to pray. Because he always, when you read your Bible about Jesus praying, it says that he went to a solitary place and prayed. He went to a solitary place and prayed. But the night that he was being betrayed, he said, you're gonna have to have a different power, you're gonna have to have a different perspective, and you're gonna have to have a different peace. And so I'm gonna take you with me and you're gonna see how I walked on the water. You're about to see how I walked through tribulation. You're about to see, and a lot of Christians, Christians aren't walking in the power and perspective and power of the Holy Ghost because we are not being loyal to the secret place of prayer. And we're fine to be in the storm and complain about the situation, but it only comes when we climb to the high places and get alone with God. I want to encourage you that if you're in a place and you feel like the storm is raging all around you, can I encourage you to go to the secret place of prayer? That's where the perspective comes. That's where the power comes. That's where God's peace comes. And here Jesus shows up in power. What's crazy to me is I've seen God do a lot of things. I've been in services where God's opened up deaf ears. I've been in services where I've seen all kinds of miracles. And those miracle moments that you see, like where God begins to do miraculous things, in your mind you think, I'm never going to forget this. And here they are in the same day. They just watched loaves and fish multiply. They just watched Jesus walk on water. And then they show up in verse 30 and they say to him, what sign or miracle are you gonna produce? Our forefathers, this is what they had. This is the miracles they had. Isn't it interesting how if we're not careful, we are just always following miracles. If you follow miracles, you will always need a miracle to follow. I'm amazed how many Christians need God to show up so they can stay following. And you know what's interesting is the minute the miracles stop, you stop. The minute the minute things stop happening, and what's crazy is, is Jesus at this moment, He will not be provoked. He goes straight up savage on them for the next 30 verses. And he basically asks in verse 33, am I enough? If I never did another miracle for you, am I enough? If I never did anything else for you for the rest of your life, am I enough? And most of the American church, I will say, the answer is no, he's not enough. Because we treat God more like a genie and a lamp than we do God of all creation. And he's saying, listen, if you're following miracles, you, this is where the road ends. This is where it stops. Because at this point, they had been following him for two years. And for two years, they saw miracle after miracle. And it was never enough. A lot of you think, if I saw God do this, I would never doubt him again. No, you've seen him do all the miracles in your life and you still doubt him. Because you're just like him. Why? Because miracles have this insatiable thing. When you're following miracles, is you always need another one. So the next day you're like, God, what are you gonna do today? God, what are you gonna do? And then you start comparing miracles. Well, this miracle isn't like their miracle, because that's what they were doing. They were comparing it to everybody else. Well, my story's not their story, you have your own story. And I think we've got to get to a place. If I get a divorce, yet I will trust God. If I can't finish school right now, yet I will trust God. If the doctor calls with another bad report, yet I will trust God. If everybody walks away, yet I will trust God. If I lose everything, yet I will trust God. We've got to have the kind of faith on the inside of us that miracles are just bonus. Miracles are just bonus. I'm not following miracles. I'm following Jesus. And I want to encourage you that in this place, if he never did anything else, if he never did anything else, would you still love him and serve him all the days of your life? I was was serving God, and we were youth pastors, and all my youth hated me, and for real, they all hated me. I'm not joking. They now all work for me. Started from the bottom, now we're here. And I was, um, at that time, we had one of the largest youth ministries in our area. And uh, I had a dream. And in my dream, um, it was like uh, the whole altar was full of all the students. And um, in my dream, everybody disappeared. And it was Brian on the stage playing a guitar. And I was down front. And the Lord said, if everybody leaves, will you still give me everything you have for all your life? And I'll just say to you that sometimes you put Isaac on the altar and God provides another sacrifice. And sometimes you put something on the altar and it's consumed. And I said, yeah, Lord, I'll I'll serve you all the days of my life. I'll give heart and soul to this ministry. And I woke up and I told Brian and Brian was like, well, maybe the Lord was just like trying our hearts, you know. And from that point on, we had a Gideon anointing. If anybody knows about Gideon, the Lord kept shrinking the army. Like, we went from hundreds to dozens to just a handful. And, and I will say this to you, that before you see God's supernatural blessing, you're always going to go through a season where it feels like everything's being stripped away. And it's your heart in that place. Anybody can serve when everything's going great. Anybody I, I've watched this man preach. He was so dumb. <laughs> he decided that God was gonna send revival to our youth ministry. We had four. When two were gone, we had a 50% decline. <laughs> and and I watched him set out 50 chairs with a sound machine, a sound system. And I was like, we don't need a sound system. We have four youth and they all hate us. Like we do not need it. He's like, Crystal, God's gonna send revival to our youth ministry. And I watched him preach like the room was full. I watched him, he gave the same energy in that room with four kids that he gives to thousands every single week. And I'll say this, if you're not faithful in that hidden place, if you're not faithful in that place where nobody's looking, nobody's celebrating you, nobody's recognizing what you're doing, then why is God gonna give you more? Cause you're following miracles. I I had a girl come up to me one time and she told me, she said, I've got a calling to preach. And I said, oh, that's great. That's cool. I said, how are you going? Where are you preaching? She said, well, I haven't gotten any invitations yet. What? Nobody's invited you? Well, I had this group invite me, but there's just like 10 people there. And and the local nursing home asked if somebody wants to speak, but I'm I'm called to bigger stages. I'm called to bigger things. Let me just tell you, you, if you're following signs, wonders, miracles, Come on, you're not following Jesus. And I told her, I said, oh, you're not called to preach. You just want to be famous. Because the real worshipers will worship when nobody's worshiping. The real people will do it when nobody's watching. Come on, somebody. That's when you're really following Jesus. Okay, little, little bang trail there, but that's okay. So Jesus then goes on a five-point sermon for 30 verses. And his five-point sermon is this unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. You know, I've learned a lot about church growth strategies. (laughs) And one thing you definitely don't get up and tell your followers is like, hey guys, we all going cannibal, okay? Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, (laughs) you can have no part of me. But Peter was learning in this moment That following Jesus means I give up my right to understand. In Philippians 4, 7, it says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. If we want the peace that passes all understanding, we have to give up our right to understand. Jesus goes on for 30 verses, and the crowd keeps saying, What do you mean eat your flesh, drink your blood? This is too hard. And he says, Let me tell you again. Gulp, gulp. Third point is just like number one and two, eat my flesh and shrink my blood. Let me just say, just because you don't understand what God's doing doesn't mean he changes the plan. And what's crazy is they start saying, we want something deeper, we want more. And you know what he started doing? Calling personal responsibility of, will you follow me when you don't understand? And a lot of us, a sign that you are getting mature in God is he stops explaining himself. Jesus did not take the time to let them know that in one year, we will have the final supper. And in that final supper, I will break bread symbolizing my body. And you will drink a cup that signifies my blood. He doesn't take the time to tell that. He says, will you follow me when you don't understand? Will you follow me when nothing makes sense? Will you still follow me and I think if we'll just be real honest this is the part that a lot of us dip out on because we're great following God when he explains. Man when Jesus explains the parable of the sower so good. When he explains all the different things along the way and and here's the part that's wild as Brad comes to the keys and I'm winding down the, the wild part is is that Jesus does this and he doesn't Take time to explain. And your Bible says, and after this, many of his disciples drew back. And the part that trips me up is that Jesus didn't go after him, Jesus didn't change the message. I can't imagine if at our church, everybody dipped out on a Sunday and there was 12. I would be like, hey guys, everybody come back. Let me explain, let me explain. Just, 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 just just kidding. But Jesus watches them go and he doesn't even say goodbye. He doesn't even say, hey Peter, hey Peter, go, 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 go get them, go get them. Let me, let me explain myself. Let me just say, Jesus is not changing the plan because you don't like it. He's not gonna change the word because you don't understand it. His plan is his plan and his way is his way. And I think a lot of us want a Jesus that it all makes sense and everything lines up. But here's the crazy part is Jesus doesn't even tell him. by. I think we love the song, Reckless Love of God, that, that chases us, fights till we're found, leaves the 99. Well, we love that. But I will say that song is about the lost. It's not about the found. When you read Luke 15, the father was going after the lost sheep. The prodigal son, the father sat at home and waited for the son to come back. Some of you have been waiting for Jesus to run you down in your sin, and you know where to come back to. You know where to come back to. You know where the house is, and the father knew. When the son gets hungry, he'll come home. And some of you are being starved out because of your sin and disobedience. And you're waiting for the father to chase you down. He's chasing down the lost. He's not chasing down the found. And Jesus just sat there and watched thousands leave and 12 stayed. Interesting to me that after this, John records 15 more miracles that would happen. And what's wild is, The signs and the wonders, the miracles, the thousands wanted to see were going to happen. But it was on the other side of what they didn't understand. And a lot of you think that God's done, but God's not done. He's just trying to see will you follow me when it doesn't make sense? Will you worship me when your heart is broken? Will you still give me everything you have when it feels like nothing's working out, nothing's happening, everything in your world feels like it's going in reverse. Will you still give me everything? And I love this because Jesus looks at the 12 and says, do you wanna go too? Jesus straight up savage. Like if I went from thousands to 12, I'd be like, yo, y'all stay, okay? I'll give you a great pension plan. Let me tell you about some promises coming later. No, he looks at him and says, We go too? I want to ask you when you're in a season of not understanding, this is what God's want to know. Are you going to leave too? I've been in this game for a long time. I've watched people come and go. I've seen so many people come through our lives that, man, they'll tell us, oh, Pastor Brian, Pastor Crystal, everybody else leaves. I'm here. I'm your girl. I'm your boy. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to go too. You're you're gonna go too. And I'm amazed at, through the years, the small handful that actually stay, that will actually serve him when nothing makes sense, when it all doesn't add up. He looks at him and says, "We go too? And Peter says something because he's thinking back that this has been the best day of my life. There's no one like you. I love that one translation. He says, to where else would we go? And to whom else would we follow? Might I just be said to you that you will, if you're not following Jesus, you will follow someone and you are going somewhere and it won't be where you want to go. Peter knew if we don't worship you, we're going to worship somebody. We're going to worship something. And he says that your words are the words that we believe in. We have trusted Uh, belief. That word believe there and trust are very different in their meanings. Belief is talking about the things that we have seen God do. It's talking about the past tense miracles. In other words, I believe you because I saw the loaves and the fish multiply. I believe you because I was walking with you on the water i believe but trust has to do with areas of our life that we have yet to see god do anything in and i want to say that i pray that at one church we have a people that do not just follow when we understand but we have a deep-seated belief and trust that yours are the words of everlasting life (laughs) to where else would we go so you want to quit church where else are you going to go What else are you going to follow? Because you're going to follow something, and you're going to follow someone. And I want to have the kind of tenacity that if I'm going to give my life to something, I don't want to give it to Little League Sports or to a PTO or to a school fund program, but I want to give it to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords because he's worthy of it all. And I love this because he says, Your words are the words of everlasting life. In other words, when you speak, I may not understand it, but there's something about when you speak. There's something about when you spoke out in the storm and you said, it is I, be not afraid. There's something about it that even though nothing in the situation changed, everything changed on the inside of me. There's something about your words. Are you moved by his words? Come on, real disciples, real followers. You do not get to be a real follower if this does not move you. Not a podcast moving you. Not, no, I'm talking about this moves you. Your words are the words of everlasting life. I, I don't need to live. Man shall live by, not by bread alone, but by every word that precedes the mouth of God. In other words, not by podcasts, not by the next service. I don't need a pastor to speak a word. I've already got a word. His words are all I need. This is it. He tells him. he says, I've got a hunger for your word. That, that it, can't, it can't be contained. It, it, it's not about what I understand. And it's not about if it makes sense. But Lord, to where else would we go? And to whom else would we follow? Your words are the words of everlasting life. And then here we are as as the band comes forward and we're gonna sing, but if you would, just grab your elements for communion. Because what's wild to me, there's 12 people, 12 that Jesus selected, 12 were there and there they are, all 12 are, are sitting around the table And they've been through all this, one year before they had seen the 5,000 being fed, one year before they had watched Jesus walk on water, one year before they watched the thousands walk away. And, And here they are, they're at the final supper and 12 are seated around the table. And Jesus is getting ready to make it all make sense. And what's wild to me is in that final moment, right before he breaks the bread, and they drink the cup, Judas dips out. He felt just short of the new covenant, just, just short. When we, when we take this bread and we take this cup, what we're declaring is to where else would we go? And to whom else would we follow? that God, I, I won't just follow you in the things that I understand, but God, I'm okay to follow you in the mystery. I'm okay to follow you in the things that I don't understand. I hope you got so much out of today's content. Can you do me a favor and hit the subscribe button so you never miss out on any new content here on my podcast? Also, one of the best ways for people to find my podcast is by you if you will share this podcast on your social media or maybe text it to a friend and help me get the word out so we can help others. Also, everything you need to know about today's podcast will be available down in the show notes. I also have a link for you to stay subscribed to my emails so you never miss out on anything that I have going on. So hey, thank you so much for being here and let's do something awesome for God this week.